Welcome to Grace and Peace Radio. I'm Anthony. And I'm Amy. And together, we talk about applying God's Word to everyday life. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. It's our hope that you will be encouraged and God will be glorified. And with that, let's start the show. All right. Welcome once again to Grace and Peace Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. I am your host, Anthony. And I am Amy. And we are so glad that you are back with us. And we are honored to be back with you. We always appreciate you listening each week. We just thank God for it. And this week, we are going to be talking about the topic of peace. peace. And Amy, you've been doing some reading about peace, and you just had some things that you thought, hey, you know, this would be pretty neat to tell others about. Yep. So um, tell us about that. As I mentioned in, I don't know, a couple podcasts back or so, I am participating in a Bible study of by Jerry Bridges called The Practice of Godliness. And it's based on his, his book, which I recommend people to read. You don't have to have a Bible study to, to read the book and get get out of it a lot. There's just a lot in there. But what I'm working from is a 12-week small group curriculum. Uh, but what I've discovered is that if you were working on it on your own, that'd be fine too. You, you'd still come out of it with a lot of insight and hmm, a lot of things to think about. Yeah, because I know a lot of the the Bible studies, you really do need to have somebody else or it's tied to a video, which thankfully this one isn't. Uh, but yeah, this one you could really do on your own. Okay. So, or one other person, but you could definitely do it on your own. So this week uh, is about peace. And as some of you may recall, out of Galatians 5... Peace is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, peace is part of fruit of the Spirit. So that means it's a requirement, which also means it's a command. So having peace. It should be part of our character. So peace is threefold, according to what uh, Bridges has written. Um, it's peace with God peace within ourselves, and peace with other people. I'm going to just, my main focus is going to be on number two, which is peace within ourselves, because that's the part that I've really been thinking about the most uh, as far as within myself. Uh, I'm going to touch on peace with God because that's the foundation. Um, frankly, number three, peace with other people, I'm still working on that. So, uh both within the study and just really trying to understand the verses that he puts with that. So I'm really not going to talk about that one right now. Plus, it would just go on too long. So number one, with peace with God. In simple terms, peace with God is our justification by faith in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And I just read that this morning in uh, the opening verses of Romans 5, where Paul lays out the the benefits of our justification. Excellent. Excellent. No, that's that's great. Uh, before we became believers, we, we had no peace with God. Uh, we may have had a false peace. We may have had a peace that we thought we had gathered from the world, but it really was not peace with God, which in that, you can tell me if I'm wrong, in that terminology, 
peace as in not at war. No, that's absolutely correct. Yeah. So before and we're believers, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 peace with God as in a, a peace treaty, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Um, before we were at war with God, and if we don't know, if we're not born again, we are at war with God. But afterwards, it is that sort of peace treaty that comes where it is the the conquered person or the conquered nation surrenders all to the conquering nation. Exactly. And that's obviously the Lord. And we, we let him, you know, we give him, not let him, but, you know. He, we submit. We submit to him and his authority. Mm-hmm. Would you read uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 for us? Mm-hmm. It says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Keep going. Nope. That, that's good. I was just thinking about something. What I find interesting in that is that uh, enemies in our minds. But tell you what, go ahead and read the, the verse after that. But now he ha- he he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. So there you see what our peace with God is. Once once we are his, once we submit, once he draws us to himself, we're justified by faith through Christ Jesus with his death and resurrection from the cross. Now God is for us. So we're no longer at war. And... God is for us. So, and and that really is the foundation for the peace that he talks about, that Bridges talks about with uh, our within ourselves and with other people. Do you find good. something else? No, no, no. Nope. Okay. So like everything else that we do toward holiness and trying to perfect the fruit of the spirit, we have to pursue it. And that's the the whole thing with this study throughout the whole thing is that our responsibility and our dependence. And it really is two sides of the same coin. We have a responsibility to pursue peace just as we have, uh, well, it's pursuing godliness overall, but pursue peace, pursue self-control, pursue patience, all of that. But we depend on the Holy Spirit for those nudges that we need and that guidance that we need to get to that place. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I'm thinking of Jesus when he says, without me, you can do nothing. Exactly. There you go. There you go. So as far as personal peace is concerned, Bridges uh, refers to John 16, 33, which is about... In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Exactly. That's exactly it. So he really, Jesus is giving us uh, two promises. But before that, as he says in, in, it's on page 177, which doesn't necessarily mean anything to anybody, but, but the more ordinary adversities of life rob us of peace because we have a tendency to try to deal with these events ourselves. We worry, fret, and scheme over distressing circumstances. 
and we envy or resent other people who appear to get a better deal in life or who mistreat us in some way. So then that's when he actually goes into John 16, 33. So the first promise is there's going to be trouble in the world. Mm -hmm. We're going to be exposed to it. We're going to be in the middle of it. It is going to be part of our life. And that is a promise. It's, it wouldn't necessarily look at it as a, as a positive promise, but it is a promise. But what he also emphasizes is that there is no detail too small for God to pay attention to in our lives. And Jesus is our intercessor. Mm-hmm. You know, he's in, he's in heaven praying for us and interceding for us. And, and also... Just thinking about what you said about how John 16, 33, Jesus' words there are a promise, a certainty that, you know, in this world you will have tribulation. Mm -hmm. But that's really the the lead-in fact to the promise. That's almost the the preface, if you will. That's true. To the promise. Um, I mean, Jesus is just stating sort of, it is what it is. In this world, you will have tribulation. That's true. But the real promise is, first, there's the assurance there of, be of good cheer, Mm -hmm. for I have overcome the world. Um, And I I like that you said the be of good cheer. I I had actually forgotten that part. And honestly, I'm not sure if I looked at it in my, my NIV. But either way, the be of good cheer... You know, that's still a part of the fruit of the Spirit, because we had talked about that before as far as cheerfulness and joy. So as I mentioned, that no detail is too small for God's attention through Jesus on my behalf. And he references Matthew 10, 29 and 31, where not a sparrow falls, that God mm-hmm. doesn't allow it, and our hairs are numbered on our head. And also, just as... Two sparrows are sold for a penny, mm-hmm. you know, and and and, all, and how much more valuable are are you, right? So yeah. Oh, by the way, it's um. Just to go back and and read John sixteen thirty three because I I kind of quoted it, I kind of misquoted it, but I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And I like that. It take heart, be of good cheer. It's it's all a matter of that that peace within us through Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, and and even how he says, "I have told you these things," and then here's the the purpose clause: so that. Okay, so so that what? So that in me you may have peace. So there's a lot there. Number one. Obviously, we know God is a revealing God, right? He he has spoken, and ultimately he's you know he spoke all throughout history to the, to the prophets and so on, and then ultimately in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, right? Mm-hmm. Hebrews one one. Well, here Jesus in his earthly ministry is saying, "I have told you these things." That, that is the things that were just being discussed in in John. So God here tells us things, more things, and then here's the purpose, so that in me, and again, it's it's 
in Christ. It's right. not it's not even from Christ. It's in me. Mm-hmm. Good point. And again, compared to other religions and other gurus or whatever, they, they talk about peace, but they can't give peace. Peace doesn't exist with them. It's Jesus is saying that in me you may have peace. So he is the the wellspring of mm-hmm. peace. And the fact is, in this world, you will have trouble. So again, God is kind to to tell us of that. And even the fact that these words are preserved for us today. Right. And they have been preserved for 2,000 years. God has every successive generation, God has comforted his people with these words. Mm-hmm. Which just states that trouble is trouble. Right. Now, it... It, it changes faces, it changes circumstances, hmm. yeah. but it's trouble. It's just this fallen world. Right. And then, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so again, yeah, what a, uh, what a cause for, for joy, you know? Mm-hmm. And also a note I have in my Bible that I, that I wrote there is what a claim for someone to make. I mean, can you imagine following someone, hearing someone at a some self-help conference or something, right? True. Some self-help guru gets up there mm-hmm. and he or she says, look, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I know. Can you imagine somebody saying that? You'd be like, you're crazy. Yeah. You know? Crazy and arrogant. Or, yeah. Or or I'm just duped into a cult. It's only Jesus is the the only person who could ever say these things. He is unique, obviously. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's a it's a testimony to his deity. Absolutely. Anyway. Absolutely. No, I I appreciate that a lot. So we have peace in him. And we know this in our head. It's getting it into, I'll speak for myself, my heart, so that I remain or become calm in unpeaceful circumstances around me. Mm-hmm. And this is the this is the piece of the piece <laughs> that that hit me. Um, Bridges says, "So why do we worry? Because we do not believe. We're not really convinced that the same Jesus who can keep a sparrow in the air knows where our lost luggage is, or how we're going to pay that auto repair bill, or how we can get to our destination on time." Or for myself, I'm, you know, some other mm-hmm. sure. major thing going right. on. Whatever the thing is that we exactly. tend to focus on. Or if we believe that he can deliver us through our difficulties, we doubt if he will. And that pretty much sums up me. And as Bridget says, we let Satan sow seeds of doubt in our minds about his love and care for us. It, there's many times that I, I pray, Lord, this this is 
this is how I would like this situation to be fixed. This is what I'd like to see changed. I know you can do it. But will you? Will mm-hmm. you allow it to change? Yeah. True. I'm I'm kind of chuckling there as well as you're saying that because I'm thinking and isn't that also like us? Lord, this is how I would like this situation to resolve. <laughs> well, yeah. That yeah. Lord, let, let, <laughs> I know you're busy. Let me help you out. <laughs> I know. I, I've got some ideas that I think you're really going to like about how we can wrap this up pretty quickly. And Oh, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Tell me. Wait, let me go get my, my pad and pen. Mm-hmm. Please mm-hmm. continue. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh. no kidding. No kid. <laughs> All the time. And it's the whole thing of letting it go, praying it, letting it go, you know, giving it to God. Okay, you've got it. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, maybe this, this mm-hmm. or this could. Yeah move things along yeah instead of us just saying lord please resolve this thing mm-hmm. you know and if not as as i will get to as well when we say your will be done that also means we have to put our will down mm-hmm. yeah even if we don't like the direction that it's going right uh so along with this this whole idea of not believing and, and allowing doubt, of course, there's Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, we're all very familiar with this passage. I read it a lot. I've got it underlined, highlighted in several Bibles. (laughs) That's always a sticky part of with thanksgiving. Because we're in the middle of something that's either devastating or uncomfortable or annoying. And we just want it fixed. And so we forget to thank God in the midst of our requests. He wants us to bring the requests to him, but he also wants us to be thankful. And there's several things that, you know, Bridges points out as far as thanking God for past faithfulness. So looking at that, so when you're in the midst of the thing, it's like, oh, wait a minute. I know how the Lord has brought me out of, us out of X, Y, Z at some point. Ebenezer's. Yes, yes. It's really too bad that Ebenezer got, Scrooge got named Ebenezer Scrooge, because that's what everybody thinks about, when really Ebenezer should be what comes it's out a of positive. the Bible. It is a, a positive a, yeah, thing, yeah. yeah. Um, we thank God that he's in control of every circumstance, that uh, nothing touches us that he doesn't allow. He is able to work the circumstance for my good. And whatever the situation is, he allows it for my good. And obviously his glory. But we're thanking him that he's allowing it for my good. And and our good, the thing is, kind of going back to what you were saying earlier about we, we wonder if God's really going to do it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes what we think is our good is different from what God knows is our good. For 
example, I mean, the obvious thing that comes to mind is maybe maybe the cancer diagnosis is malignant. And we say, well, how can that be for good? But in God's eyes, that is for good, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's uh, Romans 8, he works all things together for good to them who love God and are called mm-hmm. according to his purpose. It's just a matter of, well, what is good? It depends on what the Lord deems it is good. Right. And we moment, may and we may not situation. understand it. Right. Exactly. He he doesn't owe us an explanation. Right. That doesn't make me any less frustrated at times, but he doesn't owe us an explanation. Hmm. You know, it's it's the big picture that we have no way to comprehend. Hmm. You know, of, of what God's doing for his glory. Yeah. But yeah, that that's that's good points. And ultimately, if it's if God deems it good, that is the highest and best good. We should want nothing else because nothing else is good compared to that that course of action that God has, that resolution to the to the situation. That is ultimately the best course of action. True. And so we might say, yeah, but I would rather have this. Mm-hmm. The Lord's like, the reason I'm not giving you that is because that is not the best good, the highest good for my glory and, and your sanctification. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's on us to let let it go and let God be God, so to speak. That's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Right. It's it's Job saying, though he crush me, yet I will trust him. Mm-hmm. Or Jesus in the garden. Jesus in the garden. Um Habakkuk, right? Yes. Though, though the fig tree does not blossom, the no no fruit be on the vine. Mm-hmm. Uh, etc. Right. Right. You know, yet yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And we'll take joy in the God of my salvation. One of the things, too, before you leave Philippians there, I was just talking yesterday with my buddy uh, Aubrey and in over in Africa, and he was bringing up that Philippians verse and focusing on the, the petition part. Mm-hmm. And how he was saying how in Afrikaans, that word there is really, it basically means beg. And oh. so, how often do we beg God? You know, as far as, oftentimes we as believers, we have this, well, frankly, you know, we have we have direct access. We have VIP access with the Lord. And that can be something that we, familiarity breeds contempt. Mm-hmm. And the same is true even in, in prayer. And so, sometimes we get lax in our prayer and we we don't honor God as he for who he is or we we don't see ourselves as truly needing him or truly needing his his action and, what, and the example that he gave Aubrey gave was even about world missions right and evangelism how how often do we beg God because ultimately, God is the only one who can change a heart. Mm-hmm. 
a person can't turn to Christ on their own. A person can't be born again on their own. It has to be done by the Spirit. Well, the only one who can make that happen is the Lord. So we need to be begging God for him to act on behalf of this person, this loved one, this nation, mm-hmm. this generation. Uh, because ultimately, only God can save these people. Right. And so all of our missions efforts, all of our missions dollars, all of our everything is only, it's all really at the mercy of God. And so we need to, We sometimes I think we forget that we need to beg God at times. Yeah, and that, de- that is definitely... Earnestly. Plead and beg. I think that's a... I think begging especially is a word that is just such a um, negative concept. It is. But Jesus commended it. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I know we're kind of going on a rabbit yeah, trail here okay. from peace. No, but this is good. But Jesus commended it. Think of the uh, the widow... And the judge, right? Mm-hmm. Why did the judge grant her request? Because he says of her her importunity, mm-hmm. which is exactly that, which is this incessant, almost a nagging, mm-hmm. begging, earnest pleading. Yes, in a, a desperation, in in pleading for, in her case, justice. Mm-hmm. And so, and the one before that is the friend who comes at midnight. Right banging mm-hmm. on the door and doesn't stop banging on the door. Right. And that's the reason why the neighbor finally does get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And so I think our, a lot of times, especially individually, and I would argue even in corporate prayer, mm-hmm. in prayer meetings, we're so polite and we're so dignified and we're so... There's a social norm that happens, I think, where we don't humble ourselves even as a group before God. There is rarely any true pleading that goes on in the corporate prayer meeting, Mm -hmm. if your church even has a prayer meeting, and if your church even does pray, which is a whole other story. But, But, you know, I've been in prayer meetings where where the Spirit's there, and People are pleading before God. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. like they're, they're falling over. It's not anything. Charismatic. Charismatic like that, you know, out of control mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. I guess that's a better word for it. It's not out of control. And, uh, but, you know, but there's a, a genuine spirit of, of intercession and, and pleading and, and petition. So anyway, that, no, I, another thought on that verse. No, I I agree completely. And and that's a good perspective. It's not something I had. It's not one I had thought about for a while because I have used that when I've been praying on a, you know, difficult situation. The widow and the widow with the uh, begging the judge. Um, Here's something that I, I think is Two things that I think are really kind of the crux of this peace within ourselves. One is, what are my motives? 
And he kind of blew me out of the water with that because I hadn't thought about the fact of I'm asking for peace. You know, when, of course my motives are good. Not necessarily. Am I praying for peace, but I'm really asking for deliverance? I mean, yeah, that might be part of the request. Right. And it might be legitimate. Right. But if I'm I'm praying for that circumstance and I end my prayer praying for that circumstance to change, whatever reason, but I'm still fretting about it after I've said amen and walked away, what I see with this is that I wanted deliverance like then, you know, not trusting the Lord, not giving to him and, and the peace within, you know, the peace through mm-hmm. Jesus. So so we really can have peace even if we're not delivered from the circumstance. Remember and, recently how we were flying and we were Yes. we had a really bumpy mm-hmm. descent and you know, it was and they told us that, yeah, it was going to be a bumpy descent. And, you know, I know neither one of us are really wild about that. Mm-mm. And it was the time before that, I think when I went to Shepherd's Conference in March, that it, in my mind, when I had a bumpy flight or flights, uh, I just imagined Jesus asleep in the stern. You know, he, he's back mm-hmm. there with the flight attendants asleep. He's not faced by my flight you know, bump it all around and, mm-hmm. and, and all that. Uh, so why should I? And I've, I've always thought about the Moravians, how John Wesley was so impacted by the fact that right. they were so calm in the midst of the storm in the ship that was throwing the ship all around. So I've always thought, well, I should be like the Moravians. I mm-hmm. should be that, that guy on the plane now mm-hmm. and be the calm one. Are you, I'm a professing Christian. I shouldn't be anxious. So anyway... I thought of that on that trip, so I kind of shared that with you. And, right. And it's true. I, I mean, as I've flown and we've hit, you know, rough air, we're bouncing all around. I especially don't like it on the descent. Um, I don't know why. I just don't. But I think about Jesus and I imagine him being asleep in the, the mm-hmm. stern. And I think, well, you kind of look back. Hey, the Lord's not bothered by this. I'm not going to be bothered by mm-hmm. it. And he gives me a peace. He doesn't deliver me from the, the bumpiness, the bumpiness uh, but he gives a, a peace through it. And I think that's kind of what you're, what you're talking about. Now I'll say this too. On the one flight out with Shepherd's conference, it was really bumpy and everything. And I'm praying and I thought, well, wait a minute. The Lord controls the wind. Why don't I just ask him to stop it? <laughs> and I no sooner prayed, and immediately everything went calm. That that was pretty cool. And I, I turned to my friend Jim. I said, "Hey, a while back, did you notice that even though they said it was supposed to be bumpy for a lot longer, it suddenly went immediately calm?" He's like, "Yeah, I did notice that." I said, "Yeah, I asked actually. I I was asking the Lord to to make it calm, and He did. And you know." Now, on the other flight, he didn't, and he left it bumpy, Right, you know? Um, But it's just a good reminder that sometimes we we also limit ourselves on our prayers. We pray, Lord, get me through this, or Lord, deliver me from this, or whatever, 
Um, anyway, we could just end up limiting our, our prayers, not praying big enough or, or seeing God for the bigger thing. That's true. That's true. Well, I know when you uh, you leaned over to me and, and said, you know, he's asleep in the back. And I said, ah. Oh. And it, t- it did. It took me a minute that I had to kind of calibrate. <laughs> and then I remember the passage. For some reason, I remembered it from Mark, but remembered it in Mark. And it's like, oh, yeah. And it was. I, I calmed right down. It's like, all right. Yeah. He's back there. He knows. Okay, so the main thing is we must persevere in prayer, bottom line. And that pretty much sums up everything we're supposed to be doing. We already talked about, you know, bringing our requests to the Lord, praying with thanksgiving, begging him about the circumstance, but yet still being willing to put our will down, Um there's an Elizabeth Elliot quote with that that's really good, but I can't remember what it is. But essentially, it says, if, if you pray to the Lord, your will be done, you need to be willing to put your will down. Mm-hmm. So something like that. Uh, and then one of the other verses that he uh, talked about was 1 Peter 5, 7 through 9. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And then in the next verse, he Peter alerts us to the devil who prowls around looking for someone to devour. The Greek word for devil, as he says, is accuser or slanderer. And I think most of us probably mm-hmm. know that. It's a twofold accuser, slanderer. The devil will come to us and accuse God before us as much as he will go to God and or you know tell us that with God accusing us to God. Sure. And sometimes these, this failure to recognize that the devil is there. I mean, our hearts are wicked, but the devil is there. Sometimes we first assume that the thoughts originate within our own hearts. And I'm quoting Bridges. So we add a sense of guilt for thinking harsh thoughts about God to our already anxious minds. Now we have both anxiety and guilt to contend with, compounding our problem. Second, we fight the wrong battle. Instead of resisting the devil, we try to deal with our own wicked hearts. Although there are plenty of times when we do have to deal with our own wicked hearts, this is not one of them. This is a time to resist the devil. We have a very clear command coupled with the promise, resist the devil and he will flee from you. End quote. So, uh, you know, which that comes from James 4, Mm -hmm. 7. So it really is a, it's, it can get confusing, but it is kind of a combination of what is our heart telling us? Where is our heart directing us? And, you know, how much of that is Satan doing the whispering to our souls of, yeah, you can't trust God and, or God's not going to be happy with you. All of that, all of that. So these are just some of my thoughts from just a part of the Bible study that I'm doing for this week that I hope is coherent enough that uh, it will help you in this whole idea of peace within ourselves as a result of God and maybe might help you continue to pray, pray with thanksgiving, pray with earnestness, um, and pray with trust, and then 
Put your will down and see what the Lord's going to do. I know it's easier said than done. <laughs> Believe me. So it's great. Great stuff. You should really have a podcast. <laughs> Maybe I'll think about that. Yeah. Uh, no, that's great. Thank you so much for uh, for sharing that. I appreciate it very much. Yeah. Did you want to make your little announcement? Which announcement? School. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Long story short, I had my own experience of trusting God and with peace this mm-hmm. week as I started another degree. Uh, <laughs> long story short, I can uh, I'm getting an MBA for work and blah blah blah. And anyway, it's seven week terms. I started this week and it's been really busy. I, I had a finance course and I'm there's all this algebra and everything and I'm like, oh my word, what did I get into? And I had another course, an IT course, which is easier for me since that's my background, but there's still work involved. There's still work involved. And it was just a, it was a busy, busy week. I think I put in about between work and school, I probably put in about 60 something hours. Yeah, Um, at least. It was, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was crazy. But I told the Lord at the beginning, like, Lord, there's a mountain here of work and everything. And I don't. I don't know all this. I don't know how I'm going to, you know, this algebraic type math is mm-hmm. not my strong suit, but he got me through week one, yes. you know? And um, so I, I thank the Lord for that. And anyway, so that's... Uh, so that's the latest activity in the Russo household. Yeah, pretty much. You know, <laughs> I'm always doing something, but... Not a bad thing. Uh, yeah, you know, so... Anyway, uh, so that's about it from us and... I don't know. Anything else? Nothing else. So thank you guys for listening. We truly appreciate you coming back each week and listening to what we have to say. And we hope it's it's blessed you a bit. Get into your Bible. Get into your prayers. And we will talk to you next week. Yep. And uh, if you have any ideas or comments or whatever, feel free to hit us up on Facebook. We're out there. Just look up Grace and Peace Radio. You can or you can email us, show at graceandpeaceradio.com or whatever, and the Lord bless you, and Lord willing, we will talk to you next time. Take care. Grace and Peace Radio is honored to be a member of the Christian Podcast Community and the Society of Reformed Podcasters. For more information, visit us at graceandpeaceradio.com or on Facebook. Until next time, I'm your host, Anthony Russo, and Jesus changed my life. <laughs>